Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there, and I'm on the wrong screen. Go to our normal startup screen, which is this one, and we don't see Darren. Hey, what a great way to start your Saturday. Anyway, we're here to talk Minnesota Vikings football, like we always do on Saturdays. Today, we have three themes, as usual. The first one starts off with, what is the latest update on the search for a defensive coordinator? We all know that Ed Donatel was released, polite way to put it, and that the Vikings are searching for a new person to replace him. They've interviewed four people so far, and we'll see how that goes. Followed up by what an absolutely wonderful season Justin Jefferson had. He's up for two awards. He's a finalist for the NFL MVP, will he win that one? Doubtful. That's a quarterback award award mainly. And he's also up for, he's one of the three finalists for the Offensive Player of the Year. I think he has a good chance at that one. Then finally, we're going to talk about rebuilding the defense a bit and what we might need to do that with. Darren thinks the most optimal way is to trade Daniil Hunter. I disagree, but we'll get into that right after this. Climb in the pocket, Bailey Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Starting now. Skull, everybody! Dave here, Darren right over there. How are things up in the Great White North, Darren? We uh, we had a pretty mild by our standards January, but uh, starting to get very cold again. That's okay. Uh, but uh, otherwise, sunny day, talking football, things could be worse. Yes, they could. But luckily, they're not. So mm-hmm. it's fun. It's a, it's a dark, dreary, rainy day here in Austin, but we need to rain. So that's a good thing. I will say hello to every <clears throat> to everyone that's in the remarks already. Raymond, Mary, Clifford, and Bob Swede. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad you're here. It's time to get it started. We titled the show. I can scroll down and hit the button. Offensive Player of the Year. We'll get into that in the theme two, right? And whether Justin Jefferson has his chance to win MVP, like two other people on that image, or just OPY. What are those chances going to be? Everybody is saying hi in the remarks. That's good. Love building community, and we have a great one here. Now on to theme one. You wanted to start off with the defensive coordinator search. As we all know, this guy way over there got released over a week ago. And he's out doing whatever he's doing in the Vikings front office and in particular, Kevin O'Connell, I'm sure Quasi and folks from the front office are involved, are out looking for his replacement. They are, and uh, the uh, we know that four have interviewed for the job, uh, and one of them we have to uh, we learned has been eliminated from the contention because uh, Ryan Nielsen, you got the X over him there. He uh, was the um, New Orleans Saints uh, defensive coordinator last year, and he accepted the defensive coordinator job with the Atlanta Falcons. 
he was going to be the last guy I was going to talk about today, David, because I thought that uh, uh, when these uh, four candidates were uh, announced, when it, word got out that they had interviewed for the job, and they're the only four that we know of that have done so so far, I think a lot of people were like, Mike Patton, uh, Sean Desai, okay, he interviewed for the, the job last year. Brian Flores, I think a lot of people, he's the biggest name and maybe the one that most people were excited about. Brian Nielsen was a guy that I think everybody was kind of like, who's he? And as I looked into him a bit more, I was actually quite interested and a bit disappointed that the Falcons, he took the Falcons job because uh, when you look at what he did in New Orleans, yes, he was only a defensive coordinator for one year last year. And that was co-defensive coordinator. Dennis Allen, the the coach, was the other co-defensive coordinator. So there'll always be a bit of debate about how much of an impact Nielsen had on that defense. But that defense was, I believe, uh, they were top 10 both in in points given up and yards given up. I think ninth in points and sixth in yards given up. So a really good defense. And uh, the, the New Orleans Saints had struggles on offense, as we know, which would have put the defense in a bit of a bind at times. Mm-hmm. So, I, you, you know, yeah, I, I know they've got some pretty good players over there. Dennis Allen would have a big input in that defense and what was called and how they ran things. But uh, that defense was a good defense, and he was co-defensive coordinator of that. He was the defensive line coach previous all since 2017 in, in there, and uh, and he's been able to develop some pretty good players. Cameron Jordan's a great was a great very good player, great player anyway. But he's had his best sack years uh, as, with Nielsen as his coach. Nielsen developed um, uh, Trey Hendrickson into a very good. Uh, defensive lineman and it allowed Henderson to get a nice contract with the Bengals and now he's doing really well with the Bengals. Uh, Marcus Davenport's really developed well under Nielsen. They've had some other guys on the line, Alan Yada, uh, Shai Shai, uh, Tuttle, who ended up signing with Buffalo this year. So I think he's developed a lot of good players. He's developed a good defensive line. I would have been, uh, New Orleans as a pretty, as always had in the years that Allen has been there and while Nielsen has been there, they've had, I think, a, a very aggressive defense that goes rallies to the ball, tackles well, things that we did not see from this year's Vikings defensive uh, defensive unit. Uh, I, I would have been, he would have been like a very, I know others were like, people were saying, who's he? I, as I looked into him more, I was pretty interested in him. So a bit disappointed he's out of the running, but so be it. Uh, of the other guys, I want to talk about Petten a little bit. And Dave, you can chime in here as well, and as you always mm-hmm. do, about your thoughts. But Mike Petten, uh, we know he's, he's a guy – on the defensive, uh, on the Viking staff last year, uh, assistant head coach, uh, but uh, he's got a defensive background, obviously, being a defensive coordinator at many stops, so he'd be the defensive guy. Um, I guess the pros for him, when you look at look at his career, is that everywhere he's gone, he's been able to generate pressure uh, with for his defenses. If you look at his, uh, his last three years as defensive coordinator with that team from Wisconsin, they had over 40 sacks every year. Uh, and Zadaria Smith had his best years as a pro under Patton. Uh, he was able to develop Preston Smith into a very good uh, edge rusher after Smith had didn't hadn't done really done a lot in Washington in his previous um, few years in the league. So he he's he seems to be able to generate pressure, and that was one of the things the Vikings didn't do very well this year. But um, and his defense is it particularly in Green Bay. You know they were pretty good there. Their stats are good, but to me he's he's kind of like yesterday's man. I think his best defenses are really 2009, 2012 uh, with the New York Jets when Rex Ryan was there. Um, I and when he was with Green Bay, uh, the two the, the last two years of his of his defensive coordinator. Uh, string even though they had pretty good numbers overall as far as points given up and yards given up in the playoffs when they got eliminated the defense gave up over 30 points in both of those NFC championship games and really the the, the defense and Patton got blamed for the the Packers getting not getting to the Super Bowl and nobody in Green Bay I think was very dis- amongst fans if you read at the time nobody was disappointed to see him go and last year he was with the Viking staff, he would have had some input in that defensive game plan, how things were coached, uh, advice, what to do. And we saw those results. Now, maybe Donatel didn't listen to him, but uh, I just, to me, Petten is a guy who would not excite me. I don't think he would really 
bring the improvements that we need to see from the defense. Uh, not a young, uh, new mind with maybe new ideas. So I'm not really all that jazzed about him. Um, well, it was in Green Bay, they got tired of him because he lacked making those adjustments, especially in second games uh, when they played teams or in, and also in second halves. And that is the same thing that Donatel did this last year. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know how much, how closely he and Donatel worked, how it yes. worked during game day, but it, 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 from our point of view, it reeks of a lot of that same stank. And yeah. with that, he's, he's at the bottom of my list. Mm-hmm. And mine as well. And I think from what I've read to just about every other Vikings fan, beat writer who's got an opinion on it. The uh, so that's Patton. Uh, next guy I'll talk about a bit is Brian Flores. The surprisingly, he's never been a defensive coordinator in the NFL, even though he's he's been in the league since 2004, which is a long time considering he just turned 41. So he's been in the league a long time. He's had various um, roles on with defensive stacks staffs, a lot of it with the New York, New England Patriots, of course, and. Um, and uh, so during his, you know, he's mostly known for being the, the head coach of the Dolphins for three years. And the defenses there were, uh, they were terrible his first year in 2019. They were very good in 2020. And they were kind of average in when you look at the numbers in, in 2021. Uh, so his defenses were a bit of a mixed bag while he was head coach at Miami. Uh so not a lot to take out of there. You, you can't look at that his record there and say, well, every year the defense was out of sight. And so you, you feel good about him coming in. Um, he also has got that, that you know, the, the lawsuit that he has against the, the Giants running now, against the Broncos and the Dolphins. And uh, that is something that people feel is, uh, you know, they don't know how to feel about Flores putting that lawsuit. Is that going to be a distraction? Is he going to be, uh, is, is he a cantankerous guy who causes problems with the, te- with the teams he's involved with? You, if you're the Vikings, if you're Kevin O'Connell, you don't want any of that. Uh, but um, he's, we know he's like a straight talking, no nonsense guy as a coach. He's going to tell you what he thinks. Uh, sometimes uh, and sometimes players like that, sometimes people don't. But in Miami, uh, a lot of people that when they looked at the team, looked at the talent while he was there, they felt that the, the team always played hard. Uh, they respected the job that Flores did. They thought they were well-disciplined teams. And uh, they felt that Flores, from everything that I've seen and read, that he was a very strong, strong leader. So those are all good things. We also know um, – he probably isn't going to run a lot of the two deep shell stuff. He's going to be more cover zero, cover one. He's going to be aggressive. Viking fans will like that. Uh, I just, but so he's a guy that interests me. I know he interests you a lot, Dave. Uh, I don't know if his, his kind of uh, personality, if his coaching style, that gruff, no nonsense type thing, if that really fits with what uh, Kevin O'Connell's, more easy, uh, you know, less contra, less um, aggressive, uh, a little bit reluctant to call players out and criticize them, whether Flores would jibe, but they've interviewed him and uh, we'll see about that. We also know that Flores is interviewed for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. And so he's got other options uh, other than the Vikings and uh, those other options he may consider better than the Vikings. But he's a guy that that right now, of the three that are left, uh, he, he's he's the one that I'm interested the most in. I would like to see be the defensive coordinator for the Vikings if it can happen. I, I agree with you there. I think the way he runs, he's you know his start under Belichick. He was never named DC under Belichick because Bel- Belichick doesn't do that. There's the overlap with Kevin O'Connell. There, they know each other from New England. Then he moved on. He did improve the Dolphins' defense when he had the talent to do such. Uh, <clears throat> the Dolphins are their own head case sometimes, and they lost a lot of that in that third season. There is the lawsuit I worry about. Will 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 it pop up its head at the most inopportune moment? Oh, you bet it will. 
especially mm-hmm. if the NFL is trying to get back at him. Not that they would ever do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's, we don't know, but like you said, he is. He did interview for the DC job at the Cardinals as well as the head coach job at the Cardinals, and it depends on what the Cardinals are going to do. Do they feel the need that they've got to take him as head coach to tamp down? This could be a political thing from the NFL. Give him another head coaching gig so the lawsuits sort of go away, or does he deserve it? Probably so. And or do they, you know, say no? He's never ever going to be a head coach again. He can apply for DC, and then he then takes, say, the Minnesota job, which I think he would be a good fit for. As far as personality, yes, he may be a little bit more gruff. But Ed Donatel, in a lot of ways, was more gruff um, and more stubborn. I don't know about gruff, but stubborn. And it's that may be a good offset, good cop, bad cop yes. type of situation. I do like that he was a head coach. That helps bringing in the other, you know, old head coaches to help the young head coach. All that sort of, that's an extra bonus if they bring him in. I think it would be good. And he did, he did play an aggressive style defense in Miami, and that's what we're looking for is aggressive. Doesn't necessarily have to be a 3-4. Doesn't necessarily have to be a 4-3. And not that those matter a whole lot anymore because generally they're around 20 to 25% out of base. But yep. uh, whether it's Fangio, a modified Fangio, a modified Belichick, whatever it is, we just want aggressive and effective. If we can get aggressive and effective where guys are tackling, where they're getting pressure on a quarterback, um, and the defensive backfield's doing okay and holding its own, we will be much better off. I think Flores can deliver that, but we get in the next guy, Desai, he may be able to as well. Uh, I'm not going to give it to Patton, sorry. Um, But my first choice is because of those extra intangibles of being the head coach, of seeing what he did when he first got to Miami, knowing that he coached under Belichick, who's a wizard, when it comes to maximizing how his players played to their skills versus smashing a square peg into a round hole and being scheme-independent or scheme-dependent, I think he does that, and I think that will be the best way to move this Vikings defense forward into the next few years. Good points, Dave. Uh, We've talked about Nielsen, who's in Atlanta, Mike Pettin, and now Brian Flores. The last guy that's been interviewed is this guy, pictured Sean Desai, associate associate head coach, uh, of the Seattle Seahawks this year. He was a defensive coordinator the previous year with the Chicago Bears. Is something that I kind of forgot about until um, he got let go when the Nagy staff all got let go and Eberflus came in, interviewed for the Vikings he went defensive three coordinator. three staffs on the Bears. Yeah, yeah, he was there a while. Uh, so he knows he was there when Fangio was there as defensive coordinator. When Donatel was there, he knows the 3 4 system that uh, O'Connell, uh, the Fangio system that O'Connell uh, wanted to have uh, brought in last year when he became head coach. So he's, he's, uh, He's well, very familiar with that. Um, last year, the Seattle's defense was uh, not very good. Uh, they'd had a few good individual players. Now, he wasn't the defensive coordinator again, but uh, he still, uh, the Seattle's def- defense was not very good. The offense was their strength, and the offense was a big reason why they made the playoffs, surprisingly. Uh, the year before, with the the Bears, they had some weird rankings. They were 22nd in points with him as defensive coordinator, so that's not very good. But they were uh, sixth in yards that they gave up, which is really weird. Like, how could you be so low in yards given up and give up so many points? But the Bears' deep offense, and this is part of my theory of why that happened, the Bears' offense was terrible in 2021. They had Dalton as a quarterback. Then they went to Fields as a rookie. He really struggled, even more so than he struggled at times this year. They weren't, and uh, so their defense was put in a lot of bad positions because of the offense. And I think that really impacted the the points total. Um, 
but uh, so um, that's you know some of the if you're looking at defensive coordinator and how Desai's defense did with him as defensive coordinator, the Chicago Bears in 2021 is the only year you really have, and I think that. Um, but he's again, he's another guy. He's he's highly educated, whether that makes any difference or not. He's got like a master's degree. Uh, he's considered an excellent communicator. Communicator communicates really well with his with his players. Uh, he's respected in that area. Um, what I don't think maybe fans will like about him is that he's not. Uh, he might not. From what we what happened in Chicago. I was reading an article where now this was only in November, so it wasn't a full year. But at that time, his defenses had only blitzed 16.2% of the time. So if you're looking for a, a coordinator and you're saying, we got to blitz more, Sean Desai does not appear to be the guy who likes to send blitzers. However, with Chicago as a defensive coordinator, he ran a lot of inventive stunts that I read that were very effective and helped. And as we know, Robert Quinn had a huge year in 2021, sacking almost 20 sacks that year. And uh, Desai's stunts were really credited for helping Quinn and Khalil Mack at the time really uh, maximizing their talents. And again, maximizing players' talents is something we did not see very much with under Ed Donatel, and that's one of your problems. So that's good. Uh, one thing that I also uh, you might see from Desai if he's coordinator is that he likes to use a lot of three safety looks. Hey, what did we hear about this year that was going to happen? We were going to see three safety looks, and we didn't really see it a lot. But um, so uh, that kind of makes sense too. Uh, with the way things are going, you talk about the three, four, the base defenses, and you're not in your base defenses very much. Usually you're in a four rushers, two linebacker, and then five defensive backs situation. Sometimes these, but what Desai likes to do is he, he likes to, he takes oftentimes uh, in with Chicago, he took the, he only had one linebacker on the field. So he actually had the one linebacker, four rushers, and then he had kind of a, what, do we call it like a like a, a big nickel or like a hybrid safety linebacker? And then he had the five DBs as well. So he was really kind of running a four one six kind of defense. Uh, and with the amount of wide receivers that four wide receiver sets that teams run, tight ends getting you know swifter and a little more wide receivers themselves. I think that kind of defense is is needed in the NFL a lot of times. And Desai knows how to run those. Uh, so he's he's an interesting candidate for me, but not my top choice. He'd be number two right now behind Flores with Petten being number three. And let's hope he's not our next defensive coordinator. I, I, I think that of all of these guys, Kevin O'Connell's asked a bunch of questions of these guys in their their interviews. But I think the, the thing that really I'd like to see, I'm sure O'Connell's asked and what would be a big uh, decider for me in all of this would be when O'Connell's. O'Connell goes to these guys and say, okay, uh, here are the defensive players I anticipate are going to be back next year or who I'd like to be back. Uh, Sean, Mike, Brian, tell me what your plan is for each of these players to put them in positions to make plays that are going to make our defense better than it was in 2022. And what, how they, their plan and what they say to that question would that would weigh quite heavily in my decision of who I was going to hire. Like, can they bring more out of the players we we're going to have in 2023 than the previous staff, uh, the previous defensive coordinator did? And and how are you going to make Brian Asamoah a key player for us? How are you going to make um, Harrison Lewis Phillips? Scene. Yeah, Lewis Seen. How are you going to make Harrison Phillips uh, better than he was in 2022? How are you going to um, develop the rookie corners, you know? Yes. The young corners. Mm-hmm. So, no, it's great questions. Purple Hayes brought up uh, what about the Car- uh, Cam yes. Carolina coach? Uh, somebody brought up Jack Del Rio at one point in time. It's we're working off the four that we know of. Yes, there are other possibilities out there, but the Vikings have not made it known that they've searched for those others. Uh, there's plenty of them that might make a good DC, but they. They haven't acted upon it. Now, do they still have some time? Yes. I wish they would speed it up a little bit. Um, they may be waiting for somebody who's on the staff of these final four teams. I don't know. But that is there's true. a point where you want to get him in the house so that you can 
as the Vikings prepare for the draft, for free agency and the draft, there's going to be input by the new defensive coordinator as to what type of players he's looking for to enact his vision within Kevin's vision of to make the team better. And the sooner we know that, the sooner that could be identified and the guys in the front office, either on the pro side or on the college side, can start identifying identifying those people and start placing them on their lists as to where they are and what's the possibility of getting them or drafting them. And that is very, very important. So I hope it happens sooner or later. I hope we find out this week. Yes, and the, uh, for those that maybe are wondering, the, the, the canned Carolina head, uh, head coach or interim head coach is Steve Wilkes. And yes, uh, there, uh, Will Raggett's from Sports Illustrated in particular kind of said that uh, that uh, that uh, he would be somebody potentially who would be on the Vikings' radar. But we've heard nothing so far on social media or that, that he's been considered. Maybe it happens. Uh, Denard Wilson, who I believe is on the Bengals staff, he's another guy that had been mentioned as a possibility, uh, but no word that he'd been considered or been approached for an interview uh, at, at this point, but but yeah, uh, but there's a, could be other possibilities. Could from the, be from the guys on the final four, like you mentioned. But I'm with you, Dave, in that uh, let's get somebody in. <laughs> like you don't want to. Yeah, you want the best guy, but uh, but at some point you got to make a decision, and you, you got to get a guy in, like you said, who's who identifies the players that he wants to keep, the guys he'd like to get bring in next year, the guys he he'd like to draft. Uh, that would fit the defensive philosophy that he's going to run. Um, so the sooner, the better, in my opinion. 100% agree, buddy. 100% agree. That brings us to the end of this segment. And that means we're talking about Lewis and his fantastic wood art. Remember, use the promo code CT Pocket and get 20% off that piece. He wanted us to remind you all that not only does he do custom pieces, he does them in custom sizes. So Mm. whatever you would like, it could be he just posted, I think today, uh, a whole bunch of engagement and marriage ones where he takes engagement photos and marriage photos and he converts it into wood art. That's a custom piece. But not only can you do that custom piece, like the Thielen one he's got here, you could have it big. Right, So if you want it big, he can do that as well. And uh, he does great stuff, and I just wanted to let you all know, uh, you can get it anything you want in any size. Now, that brings us to theme two. We're going to be talking about Justin Jefferson and what a fabulous season he had this year we always talk a lot about justin jefferson it's good to talk about him because it's usually good news mm-hmm. um, and uh, good things happening but as just about every vikings fan would have heard this week he's yeah he's a finalist for the most valuable player in the nfl and also offense nfl offensive player of the year as you mentioned in your intro he's got about zero chance of getting uh, most viable the player MVP. in the NFL. Um, Cooper Cup didn't get a sniff last year, and he had a better statistical year than, than Justin Jefferson. So not much chance that Jefferson wins that over guys like the Mahomes and, and in those cases. So, But he's got a very good shot at Offensive Player of the Year, which oftentimes does not go to the quarterback. And if he wins that, he will be the third Viking to have won NFL Offensive Player of the Year. The other two were uh, all day Adrian Peterson in 2012. And that year, many will remember, he also did win NFL MVP. And then way back in 1975, Fran Tarkenton was also NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, So it'd be a great honor for Justin Jefferson to get that award. I think he's got a very good shot at it. uh, And if he does get it, he'd be very deserving. And I think that competing with these two individuals, he's one of the three finalists. Mahomes and Hertz are the other other guys. So very, very stiff competition. 
Um, but there, there is an argument to be made that uh, that the Vikings, uh, and it's a strong argument, and it's also, I think, a, a correct argument that the Vikings don't finish thirteen and four, probably don't even make the playoffs without Justin Jefferson playing like he did in twenty twenty two. For the Eagles, well, you know they've got they had a, a much stronger roster, and I think that uh, although Jalen Hurts had a hell of a year. We know we saw it in the game, the second game of the year and in other games, but uh, I think the way Gardner Minshew played in relief of him, you could say that they, uh, you know, they still would have been they would have been fine with Minshew at quarterback with the rest of their roster in there as well. Mahomes is Mahomes. Uh, I think he, he certainly deserving, but uh, voters might say, well, that guy could win it every year, so we'll give it to, to somebody <laughs> else, right? And if he wins the MVP, well, then uh, you know it's even, right more of a reason for them to give somebody else the offensive player of the year or these are the things that we think this guy yes preferably that guy but i think that it's it's a like a just a good opportunity i wanted to look at it and say and just kind of i think let's marvel at the year that justin jefferson had even if he doesn't win either of these awards 128 catches over 1809 yards uh, best wide receiver season in NFL history, uh, Vikings history, uh, one of the best seasons in NFL history, uh, 10 games where he had 100 yards or more receiving. Um, so just a phenomenal, phenomenal year. Kirk Cousins, his quarterback, had talked about how, um, you know, eventually, like how Justin Jefferson has gotten better the three years that he's played with him, and he has. But that at some point, uh, there's got to be a ceiling for Jefferson. Well, that's probably true, but uh, let's hope that this, even this year, wasn't the ceiling. And even if it is, Dave, uh, I will sign me up for that ceiling. <laughs> of, yeah, eighteen hundred plus yards. Oh yeah. yes, per season. Now his and his he's he went what twelve hundred is no fourteen hundred his first year, sixteen hundred the next, and eighteen hundred this year. So if everything still progresses on that straight line trajectory, he may break Richard the Holmes. NFL record next year. He might, yes. And uh, really, he could have he could have broke it this year if he had a couple of those games where he was virtually shut out. Shut down. If he had, had if he had had like eighty or ninety yards receiving, which isn't really a lot for him, he would have you know he would have been right up there breaking Calvin Johnson's record. Didn't happen, but but anyway, still an awesome year. And when you look at Jefferson, the complete receiver, right? Uh, where okay, he might not be like track star fast, but he's plenty fast. You don't see a whole lot of people catching him from behind, uh, and he he gets by guys consistently. So he, he's still plenty fast. Um, the route running, we know he can run every route that there is to run. Uh, he knows how to set up those routes. He's very savvy in his route running very strong route runner. That's probably, that's even more important than having great speed as a wide receiver, as we've seen from guys like Troy Williamson <laughs> or, 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 or Jalen Rager. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting cut. What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lifting contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. He's got great hands, can make the strong catches. Uh, very, even though he doesn't look like a very big guy, uh, he's great after he's, he breaks uh, tackles. He's very great with uh, getting extra yards after the catch, running after the catch. And, um, and he, for all intents and purposes, a great teammate as well. A guy who's, who's not like a, even though he's one of the top receivers in the NFL, maybe the top, uh, he doesn't seem to have acquired that diva um, gene yet that most wide receivers yes. have. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and um, so the, those things are, and he's got the ability to make the tough catches, the contested catches. Uh, all these things the great receivers have, the high football IQs and other things. So those things are all great. Uh, and he hasn't even, uh, he just turned 24 on J- January the 16th, Dave. So um, that that's like, if you look at it, just turned 24, uh, he's going to get a massive payday this offseason, I believe. And even so, I think what he did this year, we can, I think, expect if he can stay healthy, and he's been very durable his three seasons, has played all the, every game, regular season game, uh, we can expect with the Vikings, if he stays with the Vikings, also not a given because we've seen so many wide, great wide receivers get traded in recent years. Uh, you got Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, uh, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill. All these guys have been traded from the teams that drafted them and moved on elsewhere. So uh, Justin Jefferson, if he stays a Viking or wherever he is, I think you can expect that what he did this season, you can reasonably expect that that's the production you are going to get from him for the next five, six seasons at least. Now, and you know, so what of a what of a what kind of an offensive weapon, and how much of a benefit that is to an offense to have to know virtually guaranteed that that's the kind of production you're going to get from this guy. That is awesome. Hopefully, it's for the Vikings that we get to see that production. Uh, so just a great future ahead of Justin Jefferson. And I think the only thing, can he get it, get any better? I don't know how much better he can get from 128 catches and 1800 yards, but I think one thing I'd like to see from his game and we saw it in the games in some, in, in three, he had some, some quiet games this year. In a couple of cases, it was because the game got out of hand and the Vikings, they didn't need him anymore. And he got taken out of the game, like the Dallas game, but in other games, where he struggled, uh, we we had you know he faced corners who were very physical. Whether it was Jair Alexander, Jeff Okuda, surprisingly, and then uh, Sauce Gardner as well, and in another case, and then Darius Slay, where they were very physical, jammed him at the line of scrimmage, and uh, I think Jefferson did not react that well to that. I think mentally he got frustrated. And that's something you do not want to see from a star wide receiver. So I think he's got to learn that uh, teams, if they can, if they feel they're, they've got cornerbacks who are capable of doing it, they're going to try this strategy of jamming him, of being physical, of frustrating him. So if, if, if I'm a cornerback and I see that I've got the wide receiver frustrated and he's out of it mentally, I already know that I've won the battle. So Justin Jefferson is going to have to learn to, not show that kind of emotion, even if things aren't going very well for him, even if offensive, off defensive backs are being physical with him. And the other side of it is, technique-wise, he's got to find counters to that physicalness. Like, is there a way to take a defensive back's aggressiveness, aggressiveness and use it against them, whether it's, uh, you know, using leverage in a way to to cause them to get off balance and you scoot by them. I think he also needs to, and I'm sure he needs to get a little bit stronger so that he can kind of like shove off a DV, a DB who's trying to jam him. Um, He's never going to be like DK Metcalf uh, physical, but when defensive backs try to get physical with with DK Metcalf, granted the guy's six, four and two forty, but 
he just shoves them aside, <laughs> you know, and then and then your your press coverage is done because you're on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, Justin Jefferson is not never probably never going to be able to be that physical, but even if he can get a little stronger and be able to like just with a, a subtle shove get a defensive back off balance, then he's already won the route that way. So just a few things uh, that I think that he needs to do in his game that could take him up just a, a bit of a notch and, and make it even harder to take him out of a ball game, which we saw happen, I think, too many times this year. I I agree with you. He's got to figure that out. Um, it's going to be interesting. He's obviously uh, – a cornerstone of what Kevin O'Connell wants to do moving on forward. Hopefully he is. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL. So keep him happy. We'll eventually extend him, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, keep getting him the ball. And then hopefully this offseason he can work on how do I go against those tough corners that want to play, you know, harassing man type of situations. Maybe gets with Patrick Peterson and they work on it. It'd be a perfect one because he used to play in that style. Um, He could teach him this is how you beat that. So we'll find out. That brings us to our favorite part of the show where we talk about Lake Monster Brewing. Brewing beer. One right now. I'm drinking a blackberry sour. Mm. This is their crowler uh, sized. Um, it's like drinking a, it's a blueberry sour, not blackberry, sorry. No, blackberry. And it's like tasting a blackberry pie, only a liquid form. It's a little tart, though, and it's nice and refreshing. Keeps my mouth watering, which is good. Um, what they have on tap right now is almost the same as last week. Except, however, they have added a coconut stout. Folks, I have no idea what a coconut stout tastes like. It sounds to me, if you love stouts and you're in Minnesota and it's cold and you're dreaming of going to the islands on a vacation, this is an easier and cheaper way. Just go over to St. Paul, Minnesota to uh, Lake Monster's uh the brewery, the actual physical building, and try a coconut uh, stout. Sounds I'm, interesting. I'm not a big stout person, Dave, but I would try a coconut stout for sure. Well, I love stout, but the whole idea of coconut to me is that's different. Yes, it is. That brings us to theme three. You wanted to talk about the defense. And how to make it better? Well, one possibility, David. I think I'm going to get hammered on this one, but uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> yes, we, uh, hey, we talked about it last week too. We'll probably talk about it many other times over the course of the offseason. But Viking fans who, who watch the team this year, even if they didn't and just follow around, they know the defense has to get better. It was terrible in 2022. Uh, there's no other way of saying it, uh, and somehow worse even than the year two years previous, which we didn't below think were, standard that yeah. we expect as fans. Yes, yes. Uh, and the, well below the championship standard that Koisi Dofamensa and Kevin O'Connell have been. They've been using that buzz phrase here the past couple of weeks. So we know it has to get better. Uh, one of the we know that the Vikings defense to get better probably not probably it does have to get younger and faster. Uh, but the Vikings have some challenges, I think, in, in in making that happen in that, A, there's the salary cap. And right now, this will change, but right now, it's not a great thing, but right now they're projected to be around, I think, $24 million over the cap if they kept everybody that they've got on the books right now. Um, so they've got to get that sorted out, that cap situation, even if they resolve it to some degree, and they will. Uh, that's going to limit what they can do in free agency, which is one way to get potentially younger and better and faster on defense. Uh, the other thing that's limiting them is that right now we only have um, four for sure draft picks in April's draft, uh, and but we expect that there will be a fifth. Well, there'll be a fifth, the compensatory yeah, pick. We were hoping for six. Uh, they said almost 100% guarantee we have a fifth. 
That'll we don't be know in where the that fifth. Will, yeah, we don't know exactly. And it'll be, but it'll be late in the fifth. Be one of those yeah, extra at ones, the back but, end of it. But that is well below the what we got used to with the Vikings under Rick Spielman, where we had 10, 11, 12, 20 draft picks, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, owning the seventh round, I know was no. his goal, but it doesn't – Build a championship team. It does. It does not. But uh, you, you know, the draft is you need you need as many bullets as you can muster most of the time. Uh, going into this draft, this will be one of uh, the long, the first time in a while where we have not had a whole lot of bullets, and certainly not the full complement of seven bullets that that we're used to. So, so that's a limiting factor. But so, uh, of course, uh, how do you get more draft picks? Well, people have been saying, well, we need to trade guys. Uh, and acquire more draft capital. And that's true. Uh, one of the, and, uh, but I guess the problem I'm seeing with the, the trade uh, proposals and what people are throwing around for trades is that they're saying, yeah, well, we, we need to trade like uh, some of the older guys. Like we need to trade Dalvin Cook. We need to trade Harrison Smith. We need to trade Eric Kendricks. We need to trade this guy and that guy. And the problem with that is that I don't think there's going to be, yeah, you might want to trade them, but you need a market to trade. And I don't think that there's going to be a market for even somebody like Dalvin Cook because uh, because either of their contract situation, their age, or their performance on the field in 2022. And in some cases, for those guys, all, three of those, things, all, three. all three of those things are an issue. Uh, so you've got to look at, if you want to uh, get extra – draft picks and pr- preferably premium draft picks, you have to give up a valuable asset. Uh, and uh, the Vikings aren't going to trade some of their core young guys. Like Justin Jefferson isn't going anywhere. Christian Derrissaw isn't going anywhere. Brian O'Neill is not going anywhere. Kirk Cousins uh, is not going anywhere, even though he is, Most I don't think he is. Most likely is not going anywhere in 2020. He would have to agree to it. He would have to agree to it. Um so I feel that right now, like the best trade chip that the Vikings have of a guy who isn't one of your young foundational core players is Daniil Hunter. It seems like this will be every offseason for the past couple. It's been like, Daniil Hunter, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? I'm not really here. We're not really seeing much of that right now, but. I think that it has to be considered if the Vikings want to look at getting extra capital, getting younger, uh, and getting uh, some salary off the books. Because Hunter is, let's look at it, age-wise, he won't turn 29 until the end of October next season. So he's still, while he's not young, he's still in his prime. Not, mm-hmm. still in his prime. Um, salary cap-wise, he's he would count next year – just over 13 million uh, against the, the the cap, I believe. Uh, but after this season, where he had 11 and a half sacks, if you include the playoff game, and well over 70 pressures, uh, this is the last year of his contract. He's got two void years after 2023. I think he's going to be looking to get a, a pay raise and an extension after the year that he had, and so that's going to be costly for whoever does that to some degree. And maybe the Vikings don't want to go that way if they're trying to get younger on defense and, and, and get some more cheaper contracts. So this contract is an issue. Uh, but, um, and the other thing is that production wise, after two years where he had a lot of injury issues, of course, didn't play in 2020, played only six games in 2021. Last year, he played all 17 games. He was hardly ever on the injury report. Uh, and he got again eleven and a half sacks, seventy pressures. Uh, he's kept again getting not, better as the season went on. Better you know, as the season went on, making that transition from a four three to a three four, and then how they used him at the end got to more hand of the dirt stuff. Um, he's obviously valuable. He's an, an elite edge rusher in this league. What the, do you think if they traded him? You could get for him. Well, I think that I think that you can. Well, I think you can definitely get a first rounder for him. I think you can maybe get a late round pick, fifth, sixth, to go along with that uh, as well. 
uh, keeping in mind that the team that, that gets him, they know that they're going to have to sign him to an extension and it's going to be more expensive than the contract he's currently on. So the, the, the opposing team is, is going to look at that as part of a bargaining, part of the bargaining thing too. Yeah, we get him, but we got to pay him too, right? So I think that potentially limits his, uh, that, that's going to be in the equation. But, uh, um, well, where it, on your side, where that comes in, we're going to start to get in some of his numbers. His base salary this year is $4.9 million. That's cheap. It is. Um, that's going to be highly attractive to somebody. Plus $500,000 a game, game bonuses. So even there, it's cheap. It goes up to $13 million, I believe it is. That's cheap for a defensive end of his quality. That's dirt cheap. They're going to want to take that and then negotiate. That would just be for one year. If he played all 17 games and with his base, he's going to cost the team $13.1 million, whoever gains him. So 13 plus $1 million plus first-round draft choice plus whatever other draft choices are going to be your costs to acquire him if you're the acquiring team. What does it cost the Vikings if they let him go? Do you know those numbers? I do not know these numbers, Dave. Because he has two more years on his contract that were voided, right? 24 and 25 were on his contract. They were voided. And all that bonus was moved up. The Vikings, if they let him go, would still owe – it's uh, a little over seven million this year, and eleven point two four million the following year. But uh, what I, before the show, I wanted to get with one of my cap experts. I believe that eleven point two four million, mm-hmm. because if they trade him, I think that gets accelerated in to twenty twenty three. Add that to that seven million, and you're looking at over eighteen million dollars. He'll cost the Vikings in twenty twenty three on their books, plus whatever draft choices you get to replace them. So if you get a first-rounder, that'll cost a million-plus. A six-rounder on top of that, you know, just under a million, blah, 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 blah. So it's going to probably cost you about $20 million just to trade him. If if, if my knowledge of the cap is correct, because I believe that 11.24 gets accelerated. Um, I don't believe it hangs out there. I believe that gets accelerated. So if that gets accelerated, that's where you're at. It's going to cost you around $18 million just to get rid of them. And you're only saving $4.9 um, that you're not paying him. So there's, there's a significant difference there. Are you going to make that up with who you get, and especially over the long term, if you start counting, well, I get this draft choice and this draft choice, are they going to overcome his skill level. And that's where I think the answer is no, they're not. I think going into this season, there's going to be contract renegotiations with his camp because they're not he's not going to play for the 4.9 million base. No. Yes, his his uh agent screwed him screwed him over during that time period, the initial one. He's since got a new one. He's not going to play for that. The Vikings are going to have to do an extension. And then with the extension, they can keep that cap hit low this year, low next year, and you know push the money down the road. But I don't think you are going to get that. Now, Clifford just suggested we could do the extension and then trade him. That's possible. Uh, Bob Swede, trade him for Lance. Don't know if the Niners would be up for that, but that is a possibility as well since the Trey Lance rumors started this week as well. Don't know. It's going to be an interesting decision, but I do believe out of all those guys, most people that talk about trading, Dalvin Cook and Daniil Hunter are the only ones under 30, Um, unless unless you touch the tackles. They'd be foolish to do that, Um, especially Darisol. Everybody else is over 30, whether it be Hicks, whether it be Kendricks, whether it be Hitman, whether it be um, 
who else uh, could they trade? Uh, Even Kirk Cousins, for that matter. Um, you're all looking at over 30 guys, and most of them don't have value. One. Yep. It's, it's, you're not going to get a whole lot, if anything, back. Um, people say, oh, Dalvin Cook's worth a, you know, at least a second. And I'm like, is he? At his cost? Really? You can get a the answer to that one is no. No, not in his <laughs> league. You know, as I do my prep, one of the things I look at is salary ranges for the top five and top ten in each position. And every position has gone up every year. That's normal. Boop, 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 boop. You know, who makes the most and you know where everything fits in. Somebody always blows out that top end. Except for running backs this year. They dropped by well over $5 million on that top end. And they are continuing to drop. And it's because teams don't value them that much. Yeah, uh, it's, it's too easy to find multi-headed monsters that you can go with that are cheap and expensive. It's, it's how football is evolving. It's not like it was 10 years ago. It's not like it was with Adrian Peterson, where you needed a bell cow back taking, you know, 400 snaps a season. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, for me, Daniil Hunter's a hard one to to put up for, you know, to trade. Now, if some team gets stupid and offers you a bazillion picks, oh, by all means, take advantage of that. But this one's going to be hard because I think it would be more expensive to trade him than it would be to just to extend him. But Clifford's right. Do the extension beforehand, and then he becomes a better trade target. But if they're going to do that, they've got to get started right now. That's it, because that, that's going to take time. Uh, but very excellent point about the, the you know the financial side of the things, Dave. I think, I think it, one thing I didn't get to mention was, and well, well we, we got time, but like uh, even though we talk about always talk about how you know uh, athletic prime, you don't want to keep players at thirty uh, or so if they're getting to thirty. Uh, but there are there are examples this year and last year where uh, I think this helps Hunter's market in that again only turning twenty nine at the end of October of next year. Mm-hmm. This year, Matthew Judon was 30 years old. He got 16 sacks. Uh, uh, Cam Hayward, different position. He's a nose tackle. He's 33. He got 11 and a half sacks. J.J. Watt, different position again. He's a defensive lineman. 33. He got 12 and a half sacks. Um, Brandon Graham, he's 33. He does play that position that Daniel Hunter's playing right now. He's 33. He got 11 sacks with the Eagles. So there you can get, unlike running back, where they drop off a cliff once they hit 27, 28. Like a guy like Daniel Hunter, who, by the way, has had very little mileage on his tires in 2021 and 2020, even though he's injured. Like there, there is precedent for guys who are over thirty being extremely productive as Ed Rushers in the NFL. So if you're a team, Von Miller, past, take Von yeah, Miller. Von Miller. Future Von Miller had eight. He had eight sacks this year at age thirty-two, when he only played half a season. So um, teams, uh, they can look at Daniel Hunter if, if they're interested and say, I think they can't. They can't look at. They can look at him and say, Yeah, sure, he'd be twenty-nine in twenty twenty-three, but. I think he's a ten plus sack guy. He could be like that till for he's the next for three or years, easy three or four years with us. So it makes sense for us to make that trade. We're not going to get a player who's going to play have one good year and then he's going to be terrible. So I think that helps his trade value, and it's one reason why the Vikings might consider trading him. Because sure, there's you know, there's two ways of looking at it, right? Like you always want to, if you can, like the Bill Belichick philosophy of how. Get rid of a player one year early as opposed to one year late. So the Vikings can look at it. Hey, our defense wasn't very good with Daniel Hunter. It was terrible, actually. Uh, we need to get younger. We need draft capital. He's our best asset. Let's trade him. And maybe we win the gamble and he falls off a cliff at 30 and we got rid of him at the right time. So it's 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 a balancing act. Uh, but there there is also that risk that right now the Vikings do not have anybody on the roster who could come in and be the player that Daniil Hunter is right now. DJ Wanham isn't going to do it. Patrick Jones III is not going to do it. Um, maybe they get more playing time and they are more productive, but I don't see them being a Daniil Hunter. But at some point, you're going to reach the decision of you got to get rid of an aging Daniil Hunter anyway. 
and tried and now is the his trade value i think is only going to go down uh as as we get into 2023 and 2024 so now with your defense needing to get younger you need more cap space although as you went over the financials we might not really save all that much mm-hmm. i i think uh quasi dofamensa this is something he has to consider i've got this asset how much can i get for him to and then I and then say if he gets a number one or maybe something even higher after that, that gives him the extra draft capital in April. Say you got two number ones, now you can you've got lots of flexibility, and you can maybe use one of those to get uh, a second round pick that you don't have right now, or maybe even two of those, uh, or you know who knows how it all goes. It can allow you to accumulate more picks in the mid to later rounds if you want that, and you uh, know. So- whoever say he's got a trade partner, you know, that GM knows the situation on the money knows where Quasi sits and still loves him knows that he's going to have to get over that hump that Quasi has to get him to release. And uh, it's going to take a lot, whether he gets it or not going to be interesting because he is, he's one of those, you know, if you're if you go into a butcher shop and you're looking at prime rib, right, and you got a cheap sirloin or a flank steak or a butt steak or something like that, your prime rib, the the nice expensive cuts of beef, those fillets, everything else, you're looking at. Daniel's one of those on our team. He's one of those okay. stars, and you're going to have to get, pay a premium to get him because Quasi will have so much to overcome. Whether it be money, but also in replacement of adequate replacements and then building up, getting younger, getting faster, getting more aggressive, et cetera. He's going to have to do it. All the more reason, let's double back to the def- defensive coordinator. How is that guy going to use Daniil? That's right. If he can find, if he can convince Quasey and Kevin O'Connell that he's got a better plan to use Daniel Hunter in a way where he's more effective than he was last year. Although it's not to say he wasn't effective. Right. I think he was certainly very effective, uh, very quiet in the first half of the season. Dave uh, came on in the second half and whether it was because he got more comfortable playing in the new role as an edge outside linebacker, as opposed to being a defensive lineman with his hand in the ground, his whole career, we don't know, but, uh, but still, even as he got more effective during the season, in the second half of the season, I think there was still lots of times, even in that Giants playoff game, where like, where's Daniel Hunter? Like, where's the pressure coming from? It wasn't coming from anybody, not just Daniel Hunter. The whole, <laughs> the whole front seven had a part of that. But, um, but yeah, like it's a it's a question that needs to be asked. I think it it, it is being asked because both Quasi Dofamensa and Kevin O'Connell talked about how we got to consider everything in the off season. We look at everything, and you do. Um, other than Justin Jefferson and Christian Derisaw, probably you cannot say that nobody is on the table to be moved around or exchanged. Uh, you know, if you get the right offer Mm -hmm. and Daniel Hunter, I think we've come to the point in time, if we didn't in previous years where, uh, that time has arrived, particularly after he's had a year where he's shown, Hey, I'm healthy. I'm productive. And not only can I play in the four, three, I could play in the three, four now. That's right. Yep. No, I I agree. It's going to be interesting. Uh, just because the season is over for the Vikings doesn't mean the Vikings news is going to get dull. And it sure hasn't yet. And we're going to keep that way all the way through the draft and everything in between from, you know, the new D.C. hiring, free agency on, you know, just over the horizon. And it's it's going to be fun. So. We're going to be here with everybody talking about it. That that comment about uh, that was I can't remember who it made. Maybe it was Clifford who was talking about how uh, trade Lance for Hunter. That would be a wild trade because it would be. because uh, but but I don't know like if the 49ers would like they don't need really need Hunter. They're already the best defense in the NFL without him. <laughs> it would make and they got to pay they got they got to pay Nick they got to pay Bosa. <laughs> So, so, and he's going to be very costly. So, but anyway, it's, 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 it's fun to talk about these things for sure. Mm -hmm. 
as you say, not not dull when we get into speculation and who's going to stay and who's going to go and who do we need to bring in and who do we need to get rid of. It's yep. fun. All we know is that we've got to get better. We don't want a huge backslide coming in 2024. So, and I, we know the Wolves don't. Yeah, no. With that. Which may play you know, into how the which may uh, play into roster construction goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With that, any last words there, buddy? Last words are, uh, I was, we were talking offline how I was saying like last week how, man, you know, I've kind of lost the the yen for watching football because the Vikings went out. And mm-hmm. last week I only watched, I think, one of the four games or something like that. And I was kind of bummed. But, man, tomorrow's two NFC, uh, championship games are humdingers. Like, I am not missing those. Like, this, particularly that Philly 49ers game. Yep, looking forward to that uh, very intrigued to see how all that all goes because uh, even though the Eagles were much more dominant in their wins, you can look at their schedule and say, okay, exactly who have they beaten this year? <laughs> That's yeah. really, really, really good. Well, the 49ers and- are, are the best team that they have faced. And uh, I, I want to see how that defense on the 49ers, how they can stop that Philly, particularly that running game. Mm-hmm. And they may be looking to, Hit Hertz's shoulder, yeah, shoulder. It's going to be interesting, and because I dislike Philly and uh, their their fans, I'm going to be pulling for the 49ers and our buddy Niner Beto from Niner Sickness. I'm going to be rooting for them, and then in the other game, if Mah- even if Mahomes plays with a high ankle sprain, that's amazing. But I think Joe Cool is going to rule the day. On that mm-hmm. one, and I'm sort of pulling for the the Bengals. Well, hey, it, it, that and that's going to be another like uh, like Lou Anarumo. What mm-hmm. has he after his defense did such a fantastic job in Buffalo on last week? Like I was, you know, I just had to give it up to him because uh, most football fans couldn't name three players on the Bengals defense, but right. but. They were they were locked down and all over a Buffalo offense that's supposed to be really good, and uh, and so now you got Mahomes. They they stopped them before. Can yep. they do it again? And it's going to be like again. That's another phenomenal game that's going to be extremely fun to watch. And uh, it's the four best teams in the NFL are playing. So yep. you can't ask for better matchups. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's going to be fun. With that, what do we say? We say Skull Vikings, even though Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.